All right, welcome in to the coronavirus conversation episode of the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Seth Woolcock, joined by my co-host, my bro Chacho, my amigo, Tom Kuda. What's up, Tom? Well, Seth, you know, uh, life is going about as well as it can be, all things considered, so... I have no complaints here. Certainly, my friend. Glad to have you on the show once again. Uh, the site, In Between Media, we've been live for almost two months now. It's been a, a blast of a two months, I think. It's flying by in this kind of crazy time we're living in inside the U.S. And you can find myself on Twitter at Between underscore Seth FF. You can find my esteemed co-host Tom on Twitter at Thomas Kuda. And you can find the site, the podcast, everything we have going on over there at IBT underscore media. Uh, Like I said, we've been almost live for two months now. We're trying to put out podcasts as frequently as we can. We got some new columns out over there as well, so check those out. Tom, you just had a column out last week. Uh, Why don't you you plug that a little bit to our listeners real quick? Well, last week um, we talked uh, astronomy, which was a you know, a much loved thing from my childhood that I still have a deep appreciation for that and um, STEM, like as more of an overall concept. And we talked a little bit about um, a charity that does a lot of work with kids and educating them in, you know, science and engineering and all the great work that they do. And then for the other half of the column, we talked about dynasty draft strategies because I think that was one of the things that probably was not that catches you off guard necessarily, but going from redraft to dynasty, the drafting concepts are all quite a bit different when it becomes you're drafting a player to keep till they retire or until you trade them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's just a taste of kind of the content. We might not be one of those sites right now that has content coming out every single day, but I think we're more quality over quantity right now. So make sure you check that out. Tom's newest column is out and you can actually subscribe to the podcast or leave us a review. We're available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Blueberry, Deezer, and iHeart. So Tom, I think we got a lot to cover this week. Uh, A lot of opt-outs coming within the last week within the NFL. Some more probably coming within the next couple of days as well as the deadline is moving forward. And uh, I think the best way to handle it with anything is a little bit of hijinks. Sounds good to me. I think that's uh, you know a good good way to kick off our what will probably be a long conversation about all the opt outs we've gotten so far. Yeah, it's been a, been a crazy time. Let's jump in to some headline hijinks. <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs running back Damian Williams opts out of the 2020 NFL season. CEH hype train hits top speed. And then there was one. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. Alright Tom, so Clyde Edwards Hilaire, this hype train that has been building since the Chiefs selected him with their first round pick uh, a couple months ago back in April's draft. 
is now hit top speed. Damian Williams, who some argue should have been the Super Bowl MVP this past season. He was a third and fourth round pick last season in fantasy football drafts everywhere. Uh, He's opting out for the 2020 NFL season. I guess let's stick with redraft. Where are you taking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? I mean, there's been a lot of discussion of this guy as a a first-round pick. Uh, Tom, how do you see it shaking out for yourself in redraft this season? Well, I mean, obviously things change quickly. Um, Right now, he's sitting around 22 overall at his ADP. And then he's coming like the... 13th running back off the board, which puts him around Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, Todd Gurley, like right around in that category. Um, I don't know, man. It's the hype is so unreal. So I think I'd, if I'm drafting, heck yes, like all day I'll take him. Um, you know, if I, it's him or Austin Eckler, I'm going to go with him for sure. Cause Andy Reid, just has he's notorious for letting his running backs in fantasy, like for fantasy purposes, just get a wild amount of points. You know what I mean? Like he'll yeah. he'll give them the ball, he'll he'll let them work. Ch is good at pass catching. He's good at running. Um, I'm definitely willing to take the risk as long as I don't have to trade to get him to do it. If I can draft him, absolutely. If I were in the position where I were thinking about trading for him, absolutely not. Because you're going to overpay to get him. Okay, here's the thing, Tom. I I hear where you're coming from. But even from some of the most known names in the industry, the FF Ballers, they're saying this guy in redraft right now is a first-round pick. Uh, So, to me, it's hard for me to take him over someone like Josh Jacobs or Joe Mixon. I won't take him over Derrick Henry. But... Like you said, when you're getting into that second tier of running backs, the uh, the Kenyon Drakes of the world, Aaron Jones, uh, Austin Ecklers, yeah, I, I think maybe I would take him over those type of guys. Uh, Tom, what do you think? What do you think about the first round first round rumors going around there? I mean, again, most redraft leagues don't are not drafting right now, so it's a lot of best ball data coming at us. So yeah, what what, what do you think about all that? Um, honestly, as far as the first round considerations are concerned, I think that might be a bit of an oversell. That might be hype getting the best of people. I don't know, though. I mean, he is on one of the highest powered offenses. It's just a lot of faith to put in a rookie. Right. Like he was drawing comps to Maurice Jones drew on out of his combine and from his college tape and stuff, which made sense to me. But Maurice Jones drew is not Saquon Barkley, so we shouldn't draft him like Saquon Barkley okay you know like he he should I don't just don't think like I I think my argument for him would mostly be like if I were on the back of the first round and you know I were only a few spots away from picking again I could see maybe taking him in the first knowing that I'm very happy with whatever rolls back to me no matter what right like one of those other into the early second yeah one of those other running backs we've talked about uh maybe a Devonte adams deandre hopkins slides back to you yeah i definitely agree yeah exactly i don't take him if i'm in the middle of that first round there but yeah if it maybe if i'm at the end of the first or if he somehow rolls in that second round i'd probably grab him i mean if everything like you said tom if the adp data was correct on that 
and we could get him somewhere in the third round, beginning of the third round, the Todd Gurley range, I'm all in. I just think that's might be a little outdated for right now. Uh, but the one thing that's attractive to me when you really sit down and look at things of, of the landscape Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going, to, is going to be working with, there are over 1,212 vacated carries, almost 1,000 rushing yards, and 71 targets, all vacated that were held by either Damian Williams or LaShawn McCoy. Not saying he'll get all of them, but if he has close to 200 carries, I mean, we don't know what his production is going to be, but somewhere around 60 or 70 targets, I mean, man, that is, that you have to like that in an Andy Reid offense. Yeah, and that's why I say, especially in drafts, I'm, I would be willing to take him more toward the back of the first, just for the sake of, like, the, it, the upside is ludicrous mm-hmm. there. I mean, look at the the depth underneath him. Like, I just don't see anybody really eating into his work. Like, maybe DeAndre Washington will come out and catch a few passes, but, I mean, really, it's just him now, unless they bring somebody else in, and they don't really seem apt to do that, given how badly they wanted him this year. Like, even Pat Mahomes, like, he was the one that, like, he also wanted Clyde Edwards this year. So... I mean, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> when you look at the end of this roster, Tom, in the running back room, it's Daryl Williams, who played well when he was playing last season, had a couple of okay games, and Darwin Thompson, who was the only running back on this roster who received postseason carries last season. But keep that in mind, he had a total of two postseason carries. So it's not like he was. Yeah. It's not like he's a guy they super trust, but. I think you could see some DeAndre Washington coming in for those third downs, especially right here off the start. And, yeah, maybe mixing Darrell Williams occasionally the change of pace and a Darwin Thompson after that. But, yeah, it's it's hard to see too many people eating into this workload. And I guess that brings us to our next topic here. Tom, you're a dynasty guy. How do you see this shaking out for dynasty owners? Uh, I just made a trade this last week in our dynasty league. And, uh, yeah, why don't you talk a little bit about how you see this shaping out here for CHE in the next couple years in the Chiefs system. So I definitely think the Chiefs are going to keep him in high regard, provided that he plays well. Um, Obviously, you know, next year it won't be the same situation. Damian Williams is only opting out of this year to um, take care of his mom because she just got diagnosed with, I think it was cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, so much respect to him there, Certainly, but coming for the years following, you know, if other people are back and maybe get worked into the rotation, Clyde Edwards, isn't the biggest dude in the world. So at some point they are going to have to worry about how much, how many hits they're putting on his frame. So I think long-term, which is why I say I'm probably not trading for him right now. Cause the hype is so ridiculous. Um, I would keep an eye on him. It just seems I like I, I know that it's he's got all of the attention on him right now and that is a lot of pressure, you know, especially for someone like I said, Saquon Barkley, I, I know I bring him up a lot, but he like he's the kind of person who's like a generational talent. Like he, he had an ungodly level of skill and he was a top, top two overall pick in the NFL draft as a running back. 
Exactly. So it's like that kind of thing where unless it's that kind of person coming into their rookie year, I always just want to make sure that I yeah. kind of don't go over the top with them. I really could I, I could see him going pretty well. It's just that, you know, you don't know what's going to happen three or four years down the road from now. Like, who knows what he looks like at the end of his rookie contract. He hasn't played a game of football in the NFL yet. Right. He could go out there and stink for all we know. Right, right, exactly. And that... I mean, probably won't, you know. <laughs> yeah. Just a hedge of my bets a little there, but it's just that kind of thing where we truly don't know yet. Yeah. So in Dynasty, I will tend to be a little safer there. But I do think his outlook is pretty good. Um I think I definitely err on your side, though. If I own him right now, I'm absolutely looking to sell, for sure. Yeah, I, I want to give uh, listeners a little bit of insight on this trade I made last week uh, once this news broke. So I, first of all, should have not even had Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, I was second in the league last year, lost to Tom, respectively, in the championship, have Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Nick Chubb, Zach Ertz, pretty solid team. Pretty solid team, except I, I really felt like I lost to Tom because I didn't have any receivers. I was playing Darius Slayton and Tyler Lockett in the championship uh, against, what, your Kenny Galladay, Mike Evans. So that was really... Yeah. And, and Keenan Allen. Yeah, exactly. And I I had I have great running backs as it, as it is. I have Raheem Mostert, Kareem Hunt, uh, James Conner, kind of all those guys competing in there for my RB3-4. So I traded Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Rob Gronkowski for DJ Moore, David Johnson, and a 2021 first-round pick. Uh, to me, I need the receiver depth. David Johnson kind of falls in that you know, RB5, RB6 mix for my team. Uh, what, what do you think about that, Tom, from someone who's a, a pure dynasty guy? Um, I really like that trade. Um, I Obviously, like I'm in the league with you. I know the specifics of the other guy's team as well, and he really needed running back depth. So I think um, in pure value, I think you come out ahead for sure. Um, I think in terms of slightly adjusted value for team need, it breaks pretty close to even, but I, I really like that trade for you. You know, it you definitely have a great running back core, for a long term. So getting a hold of DJ Moore and David, even, you know, David Johnson, I think was a great pickup in that trade <laughs> for you for sure. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's just a, a really solid upside piece to get in return. And then your 2021 first. Um, and, and like I said, I, I think the reason I think it breaks pretty close to even then is because, you know, the other person now has Clyde Edwards Hilaire who, provided all things break in the right way, will end up being a, I would think, an RB1, RB2 for at least the next few years. Yeah, it'll be hard to see it play out any differently, especially right now if Damian Williams does come back next season. Uh, yeah, take a little bit of his work away, but it's not like they're going to go spend probably any rookie picks in the next couple of seasons uh, for a running back, especially because now they're paying Patrick Mahomes more. Uh, they're going to have to you know, start building that defense younger. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you there, Tom. I think we move forward here. Uh, like we said, guys, you know, mind the hype. Stay water with this situation. Stay in between. But it's definitely a lot to get excited about. And hats off to Damian Williams for taking care of his family there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Green Bay Packers wide receiver Devin Funches opts out of the 2020 NFL season. Funches bows out. The Lazard King reclaims Lambeau. <laughs> the king has returned. All right, man. This uh, kind of keeps getting crazier here. Uh, maybe people don't see this as huge news, but Devin Funches, uh, he was recently signed. He was the only Packers signed wide receiver or drafted this offseason. Uh, he was lined up to be the number two or three wide receiver in front of Alan Lazard, a.k.a. the Lazard King. Tom, how do you see this shaking out? Who do you think benefits from it, and who do you think gets hurt the most? I mean, th- you're right. This is kind of like, you know, news for us because, you know, we pay super close attention to things. So, you know, Funches, I think, definitely would have been pretty much the guaranteed number two there if he'd played. Um, I do have a tough time. I think you and I probably land on different sides, obviously. Um, you kind of leaning toward Lazard and me personally thinking that Equinemius St. Brown will has a shot at that number two spot Wait, or at least. I just have to interrupt. What is with the Packers getting these guys with these crazy, just like crazy names, man? I know. Even like Marcus Valdez right, Stanley. Right, Geronimo right. Allison. Like. <laughs> I don't know. Well, also, odd that out. Sorry to interrupt that, but I. I no, you're good. I, listen, I get it, dude. You, I mean, you got the last king. Maybe this is what it's for. <laughs> all right, all right, yeah. Continue with your thought on uh, Equimus Saint Brown. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to talk about him more later in the next segment, so I don't want to get too deep into there. But um, I think that you know, depending on how the competition goes, he, uh, Brown and Lazard are definitely the two biggest bumps to this. I don't really have a lot of confidence in their tight end that they have right now. So unless they go sign one, I think that most of those vacated targets are going to head between the number two and number three receivers. And Devontae Adams. So, and Devontae <laughs> Adams. Devontae Adams is definitely like – I mean, you were already cool with where he was – at performance wise, but this just means even more work for him going through this stretch. I honestly, last season, I wasn't in on Devontae Adams for his price, but right now, I literally think Devontae Adams has maybe even a bigger chance than Michael Thomas to be the wide receiver one this season, especially with this news. I mean, this certainly <laughs> shores up that a bit of that argument in his favor to guarantee that much workload coming his way. Because you know Aaron Rodgers trusts him. I mean, when he's got to close his eyes and whip one down the field and hope for the best, it's going Devontae Adams' way. (laughs) Speaking of that trust, Tom, I just want to highlight Alan Lazard here. I mean, this is a guy that's really been getting overlooked here, especially this season and even by myself. And I was a big fan of Lazard last season uh, when he kind of had a couple of those blow-up games. I think Aaron Rodgers trusts this kid. And... In only three games started last season, Lazard, his stat line was 35, 477, and 3. That is not a bad stat line at all, especially for three games starting. No, I mean, absolutely not. And that's why I say for now, I still treat Lazard as the number two. And I think, you know, uh, Brown will slot in as the number three. But I do think there will be some healthy competition between them. And it's really going to be up to them to convince Aaron Rodgers to trust Right. <laughs> them both or one more than the other. Right. I just think Alan Lazard's ADP does not reflect, especially now, what his current upside could be. Uh, there's over 115 vacated targets between Jimmy Graham and Geronimo Allison uh, leaving. 
And like we said, we like, you know, the Jace Sternbergers of the world, the younger tight ends, but realistically, I don't see him taking all those Jimmy Graham targets. And Geronimo Allison, outside of a couple flashes in the pan, it was kind of a non-factor last season. MVS proved he was not the guy. He's still on the team. I think all they have is, you know, him, Jake Kumaro. I think Alan Lazard could, I could see him taking another step forward and maybe delivering a 65 906 seven touchdown year i think it's well in the possibilities and he's not being drafted like that right now so i think he's i think he has a good sleeper value right now yeah he's definitely the kind of person that um i'm probably you know he's at the top of my list of who do i get the most upside out of at his adp right and he's definitely a standout now like he'll he's the name that i probably have highlighted on my personal ranking yes. sheet to pay extra attention to when I get there. And and it's interesting too because last season, Tom, I remember having the conversation with both you and Chris Hayes, one of our writers at In Between, and we, we had the debate multiple times. Is it is the guy MVS? Is it Jeromo Allison? I know you liked Allison. I liked MVS coming into the season. And we were both wrong. But now there seems like Lazard has the clear, the clear path to the number two option. I think this also gives a little bit of a boost to Aaron Jones as well, who could see more snaps out of the slot. Yeah, they'll probably they're probably going to have to line him up for a little more passing work for sure. Yeah, yeah. So again, this is another situation we're going to monitor as camp progresses. Uh, like you said, if maybe someone like St. Brown flashes a little bit here early on, it's going to be harder for a guy like that to kind of make his way into the starting lineup, especially with no preseason games. But So we'll keep an eye on this. But yeah, Devin Funches out. We're liking Alan Lazard as possibly a guy to rise up. Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, we think they get a little boost as well. So keep them in mind as we approach drafts here in August. Eight Patriots, including linebacker Dante Hightower and safety Patrick Chung, opt out of the 2020 NFL season. In addition to Sony Michel and Mohamed Sanu, began the season on the PUP list. Too early to think tank for Trevor is a thing? Belichick ponders retirement. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom. So, uh, yeah, eight Patriots now, including linebackers Dante Hightower, safety Patrick Chung, have opted out for the 2020 season. Uh, in addition to that news, we've just heard this week that Sony Michelle and Mohamed Sanu were both placed on the PUP, the physically unable to perform list. Uh, wow, how do you see this shaking out in New England? A lot has changed in just a little time there. Yeah, it's definitely been a big change up. Um, I think the only th- the only thing that um, is Good potentially is that Sonia Michelle and Mohamed Sanu, they're on like the preseason pup list, so there is a chance for them to turn that around before the games start. Whether or not either of them can, who knows. Um, but yeah, this this really changes uh, a lot of, you know, what we're going to be paying attention to. Um, I will talk about, you know, Damien Harris again later, but obviously, you know, <laughs> Sonia Michelle's out of the way. That changes a lot. Mohamed Sanu being gone would really that vacates a bunch of, you know, solid veteran performing targets to other places. Probably make sure that Julian Edelman's a wide receiver one this year, and then Kill Harry gets a big bump out of that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think this year more like on you know any we've seen in at least my lifetime watching football really, 
This is going to be a different style New England Patriots team, Tom. I mean, one, they don't have Tom Brady. I've never seen the Patriots play without Tom Brady in my entire life. So that's crazy for one. Now they have Cam Newton, a.k.a. Superman. Dude can, you know, run it. They've never had that really outside of a a couple yards from Jacoby Brissett back in like 2017. (laughs) (laughs) But so right now, I mean, the... I think it's so unpredictable. So I think I will end up with probably some Patriots players on my team because of the ADPs falling. But I, I think because I actually think maybe they are going with this tank for Trevor approach that I won't be thrilled with it. Uh, I mean, like you said, I think Julian Edelman, Nikhil Harry, James White, all these big passing targets, these established or kind of established targets in the offense get a bump. Uh, I think it further complicates this running back situation that we've been discussing again a lot on this show just about whether we like Damian Harris or Sony Michelle but I mean right now we know the running backs are going to take a hit ADP wise I think both Harris and uh, Sony Michelle are going to continue to fall in drafts and I'd grab them in my 13th 14th round of my SFBX draft mate you're probably not ever going to get that in a regular draft but just something to think about is maybe pouncing on this late RB value, even though it's probably not going to be great. Yeah, it's it's definitely not going to be great. Also, I do, I do want to, you know, not forget that James White is there just for the sake of, uh, I do think he'll probably clean up some of those vacated targets. You know, they do like to make sure he gets good passing work. And yes, I I really think that they're going to have to, I mean, they were already doing the, you know, short pass control the clock kind of offense, but I think now they might have to even be forced to play a little more up tempo on the short Mm -hmm. play offense to kind of keep up with what Cam's good at. So I think we could definitely see a lot of short passes heading out to running backs and short routes on the receivers and stuff. Which I think, I think just benefits Julian Edelman too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Julian Edelman will be out there eating up targets all season. He's been a guy. He's been a guy again. I mean, his ADP has been close to wide receiver 30. I've been trying to scoop him in as many drafts as I can. And I've been off on a lot of drafts just because he gets sniped a pick or two behind in front of me. But, yeah, I think Julian Edelman is a great value. Yeah, absolutely. This is definitely one of those, like, Devontae Adams kind of situations where it's like, the you know number one guy becomes even more than number one you know what i mean right <laughs> so i think that'll definitely lock him down as a, a really solid especially in ppr oh my goodness <laughs> yeah yeah i mean as always everyone we are still taking in this information trying to assess it to our personal rankings but you need this is exactly a reason you need to be paying attention to this you know a lot of people may not see some of these opt-outs as news because they're defensive players and no stars have really come out other than OBJ coming out today and saying the NFL needs to cancel the season, which whole other whole other podcast for that. But uh, yeah, so so stay informed, stay in between on you know interpret new information, let it allow you to change your opinions on things, and yeah. Ooh, and before we leave this one, I did want to mention Delaney Walker said he is a hundred percent healthy now. And he's looking to sign with a team. I think the Patriots should get on the phone with this man <laughs> immediately. <laughs> the old steady, old steady Walker there. <laughs> God dang. De- Delaney Walker is, man, that guy has been around since I feel like I've started playing fantasy football. 
He's been around for a minute. Also, there was you were talking about um, like players that people really just let slip under the radar for like it. it they're opting out um, for the Broncos. Jawan James, their right tackle, opted out of the year. Right. So, you know, what is you got to keep an eye on what that what his replacement looks like because that could hurt Melvin Gordon. That could hurt Drew Locke. Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay, yeah, so that's definitely something to consider as well. Like keep an eye on the offensive um non-skill position players who are opting out because that can change real quick what a team's offense looks like and runs like. Right. Absolutely. Well, we we're going to break down some more of those targets who maybe have recently come into our scopes. So we're going to break that down on in the scope. Uh we're going to look at some newly acquired targets right after the break. Stay with us. I have the targets in my sights. Requesting permission to engage. In the scope. All right, and we are back with some in the scope. We're talking about newly acquired targets today. These are players that many people are not talking about or weren't really talking about a couple of weeks ago before this opt-out news has come about. So these are some players that I think and Tom thinks that you should pay attention to more seriously now as we head into draft season. Tom, why don't you kick us off here, man? All right, so first for me, I want to talk about Damian Harris. Um, I know Seth did a pretty deep dive on him, a uh, big truther of him um, in one of our other uh, deep cuts segments in here. So I don't want to you know go back and beat a dead horse, but the highlights, um, you know, he, he's... A very competent runner. He's good at um, catching as well. And we both kind of thought that he had potential to earn himself a role this year. Now, if Sonia Michelle ends up on the pup list coming into the season and can't play, this really changes the face of the team. Rex Burkhead's still there, but he's getting old. James White has always just been kind of a passing down person. So Damian Harris is going to get some chance to run. Um and obviously Seth and I are both kind of in agreement now, especially because he has this opportunity that he could really earn himself a nice spot because the Patriots losing, you know, having a bunch of their defensive players opt out. This is going to mean that they really need to keep control over the game clock. And that's going to mean they need to run a lot. So definitely keep Damian Harris in your mind and make sure that if you're in those later rounds and he's still slipping no one's really paying attention to him. Just go ahead and scoop him up, see what happens, see how things shake out coming into the season. Yeah, I love it, Tom. I love it. Damian Harris, I think he's a guy right now who you look at at that back end of drafts around those guys like Daryl Henderson Jr., Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly, Anthony McFarland, kind of in that range. And to me, he is a clear highlight on my, on my draft analysis, on my guide to walk me through this. And again, a reason I like this kid is because he's played against top-level competition at Alabama. Yes, he was never the workhorse focal point guy because he was around Kenyon Drake, Alvin Kamara, some of these big-name players. However, I think, like you said, Tom, now that this opportunity is really clearing the path for him. I've highlighted in the past, I think he profiles as a guy like Jonathan Stewart, who can kind of be a change of pace guy. Maybe he's not going to light the world on fire, but he can capitalize on those goal line opportunities and he can serve as that change of pace to what Cam's going to bring to this offense. So I love it, Tom. Keep it up. 
All right, and then, uh, yeah, so what do you got for us? All right, I guess I'll stay here with the Patriots. I'm going to talk about rookie tight end Devin Asiasi. Uh, so part of that Patriots news as well, Matt LaCroix, uh, he was the projected starting tight end for the Patriots. Once again, didn't do much with that role when he held it last season. So uh, what do the Patriots do this draft? They go out and they get two rookie tight ends. They get Asiasi who is a rookie from UCLA, drafted in the third round. He uh, had a 44-6-41 and four-touchdown stat line from last season, so not too bad uh, from a less-than-impressive UCLA squad. And they also grabbed Dalton Keene, who this is a guy the Patriots actually traded up 24 slots to get. So maybe people see that as maybe he's the Mark Andrews and maybe Devin Asiasi is the Hayden Hurst of this. But I want to keep keep in mind that Keen was kind of never one of those guys who went out and really was a receiving specialist to begin with. He was more of a blocker. Uh, he's only had eight touchdowns in the last two seasons at college. So he's not a big volume type of guy. But I do think that Devin Asiasi, he could flash here. He's going to be on the field. We know the Patriots line is not great. We know James Devlin the fullback also just opted out. So they're, they're going to need more protection. I think they're going to put guys like Asiasi and Keen up there because they need to help Cam and protect him long-term here, at least throughout the duration of the season. Yeah, I totally agree. And with that, their need to control the clock, run the game long. Um, you're right. I mean, Asiasi could see a lot of, you know, short pass work, um, even if it's not like, the most meaningful yards as far as the game's concerned, he could just eat up stats, um, you know, as a pressure valve, as a, um, you know, work into those short routes. And you're right. Uh, Keen, I mean, he, you know, he's no slouch at pass catching, but he definitely is more of a block first kind of person. Like Asiasi was definitely more of the athlete and much less of a blocker. So I think if you draft both of them and now those are the two that you're running in um, as your tight ends in a short run offense like that, I think Asiasi really could see a big chunk of work. Like it's definitely there for him if he can earn it, if he can prove that he's, you know, good for it. Yeah, he's going free at the end of drafts. That's all I'm saying. I mean, absolutely. I know there. He's totally free right now. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I know there are a ton. There seem like so many tight end breakout candidates this season. But add him to the list. I think he's there. And I mean, again, a rookie tight end breaking out is not something we really project. But I guess we'll see how it plays out here. Absolutely. I mean, and you know, I'm a firm believer in like streaming tight ends. So he's like absolutely perfect kind of person to just keep on your list, you know, and keep an eye on and see how he does in training camps and preseason games. Maybe even pick him up before week one if you have, you know, someone who gets injured, put on COVID, uh, IR. So, yeah, something to keep in mind there. What do you got here with your second newly acquired target? We are heading back to Green Bay, and I want to come back and talk a little more about Equinemius St. Brown. Um, he's definitely somebody that I'm going to be keeping an eye on um, from now on, especially in the later rounds of drafts and everything. Um, so his rookie season, he had zero drops in his rookie season. Now, he did, he wasn't like a world beater. You know, we're not talking like rookie of the year or anything like that. But he proved um, that he when, when you call his number, he's going to catch what you're throwing to him. Um, 
He's a big body. He ran a lot of mismatch routes, and the coach has um, pretty decent confidence in him. Um, last year, he got injured in the preseason, and he didn't end up playing um, at all last year. So it's not like he played and did poorly, and MBS did blow his shot. So that number three spot is pretty much locked down to be his. Or Jay Kumro. Um, coming into the season. Or Kumro, yes. I have every confidence that St. Brown will beat him out of out of the number three spot. But, you know, if, if he can come in there and with those sure hands, you know, if he's not dropping passes, if he's out there making, making plays, that's the kind of upside that I really like in a late round wide receiver, especially with Geronimo Allison opting out of the season now. Um, I still kind of agree with you that Lazard is probably more likely to keep his number two role, but it's definitely a situation that I want to keep an eye on, and I do like Equinemius St. Brown to have kind of a rebound year after he missed last season on injury. Yeah, he was actually kind of like that third. He, he almost could have opened up that conversation last year between Geronimo Allison and MVS for that second option. So yeah, I definitely like that option of St. Brown there you threw out there, Tom. Uh, I mean, we've seen how many times I love to punt the wide receiver position. So <laughs> so he's a guy I'll be looking for late for sure. I like it. All right. And then will you close us out here with your last, uh, your last newly acquired target? All right. So this is, uh, this is a guy who I really think is going to benefit from the news of Marquise Goodwin opting out and Doug Peterson, actually head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. He actually tested positive for COVID. Uh, I know these aren't really, these aren't really happy things to talk about, but there is a fantasy angle to this. So we're, I'm going to take that. And uh, I think with Goodwin dropping out, a lot of people think that JJ Arcega Whiteside or Jalen Rager can really benefit from this. And while I can see the arguments for that, I'm looking at Dallas Goddard as a tight end who could be another steal this season. Last year, he was actually tight end 10 uh, for the whole season, coming off a 58-607-5 year. He improved from his rookie year, where he was also fairly productive with four touchdowns, over 300 yards, and 30 receptions. So Dallas Goddard is a guy who... We've seen that the Eagles want to use him. They sniped Jerry Jones a couple of years ago who wanted him really bad. And now Jerry Jones came back to the same thing with CeeDee Lamb. But I think right now the Eagles, they're, they're going to, they already lost their right guard to injury. We talked about that. Uh, Jason Peters has been signed back, but we don't really know where he stands on health. Uh, last year, 46.1% of the time, the Eagles led the league in 12-man personnel. That's two tight end system. I don't know, Tom. I just think that Dallas Goddard is a guy who's out there, and maybe people aren't looking at him like a Gronk and Aaron Hernandez, but that's kind of how I feel that things might be shaking up for him and Zach Ertz this season in that Philadelphia offense. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's the a big name there that makes Goddard not get talked about as much is that Zach Ertz still plays there, and he's definitely going to eat up the bulk of the targets. But you're right, if their offensive line is suffering and if they have to try to adopt more of a, you know, a short pass play offense and they can't stretch the field as much, which I, I do think they'll still be able to, you know, Ragor's is a speedster as well. But I could definitely see a world where 
um, Goder puts up the same stat line or even improves from last year, just depending on how the year goes, depending on who gets sick and everything else. He's he's somebody who shows that you can draft him to have a good floor, mm-hmm. um, especially in like two tight end, tight end, like a, tight end you know, premium, like a tight end premium, right? Kind of league, yeah. Not um, so. He's definitely somebody that I'm I'm totally open to keeping my eye on because I'm you know I'm not really the type to pay up for like a Zach Ertz type, but I could definitely see myself um, streaming him a few weeks and maybe just never dropping him if he shows that he can carve out a an even bigger role for himself in the offense this year and they really might need him too. So right, and this is coming from someone who Zach Ertz like I'm as big of a Zach Ertz truther this season as as anyone I think out there. So. Uh, this is coming from a guy who believes in Zach Ertz, but I also believe in Dallas Goddard, and I believe in that system. So I definitely think Dallas Goddard is a guy to pay attention to late in drafts here. All right, Tom, and how about we round it out with some good news? All right, that sounds great to me. This is one of my favorite parts of the podcast. So for mine um, this week, I wanted to talk about uh, an article that is showing how rhino poaching in South Africa has dropped 53% in the first six months of 2020. Um, The conservation group that keeps an eye on these uh, figures just released their report for the first half of 2020, and it looks like um, there's been a massive drop in rhino poaching, yeah. largely due to coronavirus stopping travel and disrupting the smuggling rings um, that have been a large cause of the poaching in the first place. So this is great news that you know a, an endangered species has the opportunity to you know bolster its numbers and the people who are out there working to preserve that species can have a great bit more success if you know 53 percent of the poaching is has come to a halt this year so definitely a silver lining moment yeah covid was definitely good for something there uh shout out to all those people protecting those rhinos out there awesome love it all right and then what good news do you have for us this week yeah so i'm going to stay on the same kind of topic sustainability ecosystem friendliness and i'm going to talk about uh Another article that comes from the Good News Network, uh, very cool site if you haven't checked them out. They really talk about positivity and different things that uh, a lot of time in national headlines you're not going to see. But they're they're cool, they're fun, they're good, they make you happy, so check them out. Uh, but I'm going to talk about how in the U.S., uh, renewables and uh, clean energy is actually starting to surpass coal and natural gas. And coal and natural gas for the first time uh, because again, because of this COVID situation, are actually plummeting, which you know I definitely feel for the people in that industry and everything going on like that. I, I don't want to take any sides like anything like that, but I think clean energy is the way we need to move as a nation. We look at some of our European brothers and you know those nations over there, and they're doing an excellent job. But yeah, so in the U.S., renewables uh, will account for over a fifth of electricity this year. And that is more than ever. And actually, at one point, 
these uh, renewable energy actually surpassed coal usage every day for a month, which was the first time that happened in over 150 years. So, yeah, I think the environment, we're seeing it everywhere, Tom. I don't know if you're seeing it down there, but I feel like a lot of these night skies have just almost even looked a little cleaner, a little less polluted, smoggier. I mean, absolutely. Like, in my own anecdotal evidence here, like, we've been going for walks around our neighborhood a lot more, and the air is, like, it feels a lot cleaner here. So, definitely, and this is some great news, you know. I, I love to see that these more sustainable, clean technologies are starting to have the desired effect. Like, they're starting to become affordable enough to overtake the polluting uh forms of energy yeah and that's what it's all about man i mean there are so many resources out there if you're serious about doing solar energy doing wind-powered energy you can actually there are resources now there are co-ops available where you can actually go in with other people members of your community who also want to do solar and you get a discounted rate so i think this is the thing that we we as americans need to start thinking more about and i'm happy to see that we're already making this switch as a nation a little bit, even if a lot of people don't realize it. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely something that's great news, and we should totally keep a focus on that. Certainly, certainly. And uh, yeah, that about does it for us. I hope you enjoyed listening to the show. We hope you'll tune back in for our next show. Uh, that'll be out here in a couple weeks. Tom, any last-minute advice, fantasy, or life-related to our listeners? This week, I definitely want to remind people to be kind to one another everyone is stressed out i know that it you know sometimes in your normal day-to-day interactions you might kind of forget it's easy to forget that if someone gives you a little extra attitude that maybe it's not meant for you maybe it's a holdover from some other kind of crappy experience going on so i think if we're all a little extra patient with each other right now that could save a lot of needless heartache Absolutely. I love that, Tom. Thank you for that. I appreciate you bringing that bringing that little little tidbit there. I think that'll help people out as we move forward here. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll see everyone on the other side of this pandemic, and we'll continue to move through for what is the new normal here. But we'll do it together. We'll do it with kindness, compassion, and uh, courtesy for one another. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Seth. This has been a on another wonderful podcast. Absolutely. Stay in between, folks, and we'll see you soon. Take care.